0: You'll want the package being delivered
1: so since the cyber team is hard at work in the content mines for you dear listener making some interesting stuff for your beautiful ears we thought we'd run an episode of yesteryear it involves the scottish mafia cartels some sketchy encrypted phones and a sex club in amsterdam it's the tale of an assassination of a blogger i'm ben maku and you're listening to cyber So Joseph, a blogger who blogs about crime, ends up dead in front of an Amsterdam sex club. How did this happen?
2: Yeah, so this guy's called Martin Koch. He's a two-time convicted murderer. He's a murderer himself. Yeah, he's a murderer himself. He's a serious um, criminal. He served time uh, in the Netherlands. And then when he was released, he la- he started his own website called Butterfly Crime, where... You know, it could be described as journalism, it could be blogging, it could be doxing, but he basically wrote about the Moroccan Mafia, various other criminal groups, because, of course, with his background... He has pretty unique access to this world. And he wouldn't just say, oh, this event happened. He would publish very um, sensitive and sometimes private information about criminals, and that would annoy these people. But anyway, Koch one day was in Amsterdam having lunch at the hotel with other journalists. He then leaves the hotel. And as he's walking away, CCTV footage shows someone point a gun, point blank, at the back of his head, uh, about to shoot him. Something happens. I mean, either the assassin loses his nerve or the trigger doesn't, it malfunctions or something and the person runs off. Anyway, hours later, uh, Cock has a meeting with someone called Christopher Hughes, who is an employee of MPC, an encrypted phone company. And they decide, after agreeing on some work, you know, Cox's going to run some adverts on his website, they go to this sex club you mentioned. They spend some time there. Um, Cock sends a photo of himself to another journalist lying just in his uh, Speedos in bed a, a, a below a erotic photo. And then as they're leaving, uh, a hooded figure jumps out of the bushes and shoots Cock, killing him. And Hughes, the NPC guy, just walks away. Just walks away, no... Nonchalantly. Right, yeah. You look at the CCTV footage, and it's not clear how much Hughes saw of the shooting, but it's not like he runs to Cox's defense. He apparently leaves the scene. Well, I mean,
1: that's that's suspicious. Because obviously, if you didn't know, and there was a shootout, and your friend just got killed in front of you, you'd probably run, you'd probably freak out, maybe call 911. This guy just walks off.
2: Right, and... Very suspicious behavior, and the authorities detain Hughes briefly after that and then let him go, and kind of everyone forgets about this assassination, really, and the encrypted uh, phone company, at least at the time. And this encrypted phone company, what is it? Right, so, MPC... What they do is they will take Android phones, you know, a Nexus or a Nexus 5X, they will put their own operating system on it, and that will have encrypted email, encrypted instant messaging. Uh, They may have the GPS removed and that sort of thing. They are part of this industry that makes so-called secure or encrypted phones, similar to Phantom Secure, which has been in the news linked to the um, Royal Canadian Mounted Police case.
0: This case all traces back to an investigation into an encrypted service called Phantom Secure. So this was a Canadian com- company, a BC-based company, that was under investigation for having giving phone services to international crime groups. So basically, when we're talking about encryption services, we're talking about, you know, I could send you a message, you could see it, but a police officer could not see what was in those messages.
2: There's this sort of cottage industry of all of these different companies, and MPC fits into that space. But they're kind of um, kind of unusual as well. Why are they unusual? Well, with Phantom Secure, it was run by one guy who wanted to protect privacy, and then, according to several people I've spoken to, he then fell into the criminal market. What we found was that MPC is actually created and run by organized crime figures so the hughes uh, christopher hughes who was meeting cock at the sex club it emerged that he is part of the so-called escalade group which scottish police have been trying to pin down there's a european arrest warrant out for hughes and several other people including the so-called brothers james and barry gillespie and these are top tier serious organized criminals smuggling cocaine and heroin into uh, the UK and Europe, primarily from South America. And it turns out, as we found, that they are actually the people who made this encrypted phone company.
1: So the Scottish mafia Basically owns, yeah. owns MPC, this encrypted phone company.
2: Right, yeah. Whereas usually criminals may just buy the phones or the companies may sell to them. Here, the brothers originally bought phones from other providers, you know, because they want to have encrypted communications. And then when they didn't want to... Um, trust other people with their own security, they made their own company, which is pretty pretty unusual. Yeah. These are technologically highly sophisticated criminals i mean when police would pursue them it apparently or surveil them it looked like they had phone jamming equipment in their vehicles because the police couldn't pick up any um you know frequencies or signals from the cars they would have vans with hydraulics in them that would lift up and then there would be semi-automatic machine guns and money and other weapons stored underneath i mean you think about in the movies where criminals apparently will have all this high-tech equipment i mean it really turns out that this is a sort of a melding of you know in-person physical traditional crime and then some actually pretty interesting technology as well
1: i I mean it's almost the, the the reason this story really strikes me is that you have this situation where like you said these hardened criminals these guys you expect to be sort of all physical violence are actually quite sophisticated technologically which kind of makes me think well i mean crime and petty crime they're catching up It's no longer, you know, a specialty to be good at encrypted phones and have technology that can cell jam and make sure that cops can surveil you. This is becoming part of the game.
2: Yeah, I mean, this group had their own tech specialist who presumably would source some of this material like the phone jamming equipment. But then the creation of the phone company itself is um, highly highly unusual i mean and we found i think it was according to free sources we identified one of the developers who actually made the operating system they outsourced it to someone in lithuania he made a team they then made the software uh, and then they stole code from another company and then they tried to use that um so even if the brothers themselves may not be you know tech bros they can certainly outsource it to others who are definitely capable and then they can make use of this technology as well
1: Or they, I mean, they also just understand surveillance because this is a reality of being a criminal in 2019.
2: Right, exactly. I mean, these guys know what they're doing with the phone jamming or anything else. Uh, And to be clear, like, a lot of them have been caught and they have been uh, convicted and sentenced, but the brothers have not. They are still on the run. Um, One Scottish publication said they may be in South America. Um, Just weirdly, a few hours after our investigation came out the dutch police announced that they are still searching for christopher hughes uh with the link to the cock uh assassination and apparently some of that group may be in Amsterdam as well so even if they're on the run they may not actually be um that far away and that, that sort of just shows the audacity of these organized crime groups right i mean i was listening to some audio earlier of a scottish prosecutor and she mentioned how audacious and you know hiding in plain sight some of these groups can be Organised crime has a, a massive effect in communities. Organised criminals uh, live in plain sight uh, more often than not amongst hard-working, um, law-abiding people. Um, but they, they prey on people with vulnerabilities in our communities, such as poverty and addiction, uh, and they have got utter disregard for the, the misery and devastation that they reap. They, they're all a bit about money. And Cock, did you know him? No, I didn't know him. I only started looking into... Um, Cox murder after it happened in Dez- in December 2016 but because I heard that there was this connection to the encrypted phone company I mean MPC reached out to me uh, over Twitter DM in 2016 they wanted me to review their mobile phone obviously they didn't say hi we're the technological wing of an international drug trafficking organization. Please, could you help us out? They presented themselves (laughs) as a normal company who, you know, like Blackphone or anyone else who just wanted a review of their phone. And it was then I started looking into them. Then the murder of cock happens. Um, And there's a rumor going around that NPC is connected. Nothing really comes out until another mysterious source comes forward in 2018 and says, hey, it was NPC that set up this person to be killed. And then that's what our investigation is based on, obviously, with more reporting. And then hours after our investigation come out, uh, came out, the Dutch police um, confirm that, sus- that they also suspect the same thing.
1: So let's get this straight. Some blogger pissed them off. Mm-hmm. He ends up getting popped. Mm-hmm. You just exposed them. I got to ask, I get this question and I hate it. Is this something that kind of scares you about reporting on these types of groups?
2: The source, one of the main sources highlighted how um, violent Uh, this group can be and how worldwide their connections are Um, obviously we sought um, legal advice and uh, various other advice as well Uh, I think these criminals probably have more to worry about Um, but I I just think there's a public interest in highlighting because if we look at this company that was made by criminals for criminals and then the DOJ and the FBI are uh, pushing very heavily against you know Facebook's encryption, for instance. So where well, you have to put a backdoor in that or you have to provide some sort of access. Well, clearly, real serious criminals, they're just going to go make their own phone company. Like they've, They're not going to use Facebook Messenger. They don't care. And of course, some criminals will use Facebook. But this is a concrete case of the going dark problem where, you know, if you outlaw encryption and the outlaws are actually going to have strong... Uh, cryptography and that's what seems to be the case here
1: It's, a, it's an incredibly fascinating story uh, it, it's, it's so it's such a, a story about modern crime
2: Yeah, exactly and we don't get all that much insight into it and I just hope that it can be put in the context of this going dark debate that we continuing to have Fascinating and sketchy as usual Thank you, Joseph Thank you
1: Roundup life. Okay, I like this story a lot. Um, it's frightening. A U.S. a report from that was commissioned by the Pentagon says the U.S. military will co- will collapse in twenty years and cause the this country to turn into a militia state even more than it already is. What what it, what is this story? Yeah. Terrifying.
3: So it's like every now and then the U.S. military says something like climate change is super bad and we should. Like we are preparing for it and we should do something about it. And then like the Trump administration just keeps doing what it's doing, which is like rolling back emission standards in California, like, you know, doing various nefarious and bad things for the environment. Meanwhile, like it's top Pentagon folks are like, yeah, climate change is really bad. It's going to fuck over the military and it's going to like ruin society. Uh, And so that's what we have here. So, Uh, The U.S. Army War College uh, commissioned this report or did this report back in August, but it kind of, like, wasn't picked up by anyone. So we have this uh, writer named Nafiz Ahmed who has covered sort of climate change, uh, green energy, as well as, like, collapse of society uh, since... For, like, 10 years. Like, he's a really, really good reporter. The fun beat. It's really... Yeah. He writes such, like, fun articles as like experts say society will begin collapsing in 2050 and things of this nature. Anyways, he found this report, and uh, the long and short of it is that, like, Trump's new... Uh, I forget what it's called, chief, chief of staff, chairman of the chief of staff. He's the highest Pentagon man. Other than the... Other than the commander-in-chief himself. Right. Uh, he commissioned this this report, and uh, it came out in August and it was like within the next 20 years, uh, there is a good chance that not only will the U.S. Army not be able to function because of climate change, but also like society and the United States won't be able to either. And the reasons for this are like some of the same reasons that we hear when we talk about the collapse of society. It's like the destabil- the destabilizing effects of mass migration because of drought and natural disasters and people having to, like, move away from the coasts. So that's, like, a very destabilizing thing that could, uh, if America continues to want to sort of uh, put its military all over the place, like, stretch this very thin. Uh, they also suggest that they're literally... They don't have enough water. Like, they're, they're not going to be able to send troops into arid places... Uh, and keep them hydrated. hydrated. Yeah, because just it's so expensive and difficult to transport water on like that on the scale that will be necessary, that they predict will be necessary. Uh, and then they talk about things like, you know, the U.S. infrastructure is just like a complete disaster. So you start thinking about the fact that we don't have a lot of levees and we don't have like a lot of our bridges could like, go bad and and our power grid as we're seeing in california right now with the wildfires like like that can cause mass chaos and so you kind of get these like cascading effects and they believe that you know they don't put like a percent chance on it but they say that there's a decent chance that these cascading effects will sort of like avalanche on top of each other and uh the like u.s military won't be able to operate sometime within the next 20 years and some people see that and they're like, good, like... Yeah. <laughs> screw the military, but also... Yeah, but then it's like a lot of guns this, lying around. Yeah, more it's like that, and it's like, this doesn't happen in a vacuum. It's like, if the military isn't working, that means, like, that so much has gone wrong, both in the United States and around the world, that we're, like, looking at a very bad situation.
1: Yeah, it's like, let's just have warlords, can't wait. Um, this story is also a bummer, uh, a great story, a major bummer from Lauren, Uh an engineer says a software firm cut her maternity leave after her baby died. This is horrific. It's
3: really, 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 really bad. Yeah, this story, it's it's really one of the most horrifying stories I think we've run, which is saying a lot. Um, so this uh, Silicon Valley data uh, sales engineer at a company called Informatica, which contracts with Microsoft, and it's like, a lot of other. It's a big company. Like, it's a massive company. It's one of these ones that provides a lot of services behind the scenes. Uh, you know, was pregnant. Uh, told her bosses. Uh, she told us that she was sort of like promised a promotion when she came back. Um, that and that sort of like disappeared. And then she went and had the baby. And in within one hour, the baby died suddenly. And she was supposed to have eight weeks of maternity leave, which is. Not very long. Like, that's sort of one of the problems here is that the maternity leave wasn't very long in the first place. But then the company was like, oh, well, you don't have a baby anymore. Like, our maternity leave policies cover only natural births uh, and, like, child care healing and stuff like that. And they asked her to come back to work sort of, like, within six weeks. And... It's
1: just really bad. And we, yeah, like we, we, I don't know how you, how do you paint this one is other than being super incredibly shitty?
3: Yeah. And it's like we had all the emails to back this up. Like she had all the communications with Informatica that she shared with us. And it was not like, hey, we're so sorry for your loss. It's like, hey, we don't have policies for this. So, like, uh, we don't know what to do, but like, you should come back to work.
1: Yeah, so like uh, TikTok,
2: yeah. come on back.
3: Yeah, and uh, you know we've been covering this a little bit. Like earlier this year, we covered uh, this woman at, who quit Google after she had a baby because she said that she was discriminated against. So Lauren's piece uh, it uses this uh, this case at Informatica to sort of explore a much bigger problem in Silicon Valley and obviously society as a whole, which is pregnancy discrimination and how do companies treat mothers and working mothers and and all that sort of thing so it's well worth your read
1: man awful awful and great great reporting from lauren so i want to talk about another ufo story <laughs> sorry yeah it's just i, I love them. i love them i love them jason I, I believe i have two i don't know if you saw both i know i i saw the the one we got one here okay okay the largest single collection of ufo material is being catalogued
3: yeah, so my favorite thing about this piece is the picture. I don't know. Did you see the picture? I saw the picture. Can you, That's what, can you describe the just picture? It's a bunch of shit everywhere. And a dude in the middle of it. It's like a man sitting in an office with yeah. just like papers everywhere. Everywhere. Like, it's it's just truly... And it would take like
1: 10 years to go through it, right?
3: Yeah. So this guy's name is... Always with the names... So, this guy's name is Stan T. Friedman, who's a Canadian scholar and a former nuclear physicist. That's
1: right. The Canadians. We're here for that UFO.
3: We're here for that UFO life, man. We're here for it every single week. Every single week, we're here for it. So this guy was like a true believer. Like he studied the Roswell crash, like back in 1947. And you mean a truther, a real truth guy? He's no, he he actively believes that like aliens lived among us. Uh, But (laughs) at the same time, like he was really good at just getting government documents and like compiling them, and then giving talks about them at various. you know, alien conventions and things of this nature. So he studied, like, you know, aliens for 60 years. He's just got reams and reams of papers. They're just scattered everywhere. They're not at all catalogued in any way, shape, or form. And then he dies suddenly earlier this year. I mean, he was very old, but he died uh, unexpectedly. And now we have folks uh, who are cataloging it at the uh, Provincial Archives in New Brunswick. Nice. Where's New Brunswick, Ben?
1: It's close to Quebec, Quebec. And it's in Atlantic, Canada. It borders Nova Scotia and Quebec. Thank you. It's, Fran- it's the only bilingual province in all of Canada.
3: Is it? What? Pour les Français là. Amazing. Okay. So they have a library there, presumably. That's what the archive is. <laughs> and there's, <laughs> yes, there's a it, library there, Jason. They're very slowly going through all these papers and, like, you know, you can already go there and see some of them, the ones that they have cataloged. But over the next 10 years, they're going to put all the other ones together. That's amazing. Are we not going to talk about the other UFO story? I All feel right, like that's, other... it's, it's really All up right. your alley. Let's, let's go. The other one. So QAnon and uh, UFO oh. conspiracy theories yes. are sort of merging. Yes. Yes. Uh, ben, can you give like the five-second
1: version of what QAnon is? 10-second <laughs> version? <laughs> oh, it's... Basically, they think that Trump is being overtaken by the deep state. And there's a lot of insane conspiracy theories that have to do with... D- John F. Kennedy Jr. coming back to life and being this new president. It's It's like completely unintelligible. but It's it's, it's, it's wild. It's basically like that. And people really, I think the real thing is it's like, it's a very extreme conspiracy theory about the deep state and, and Trump and Trump being a victim of it. And people are actually, like a lot of people are falling for it.
3: Right, but there's, so supposedly, according to the conspiracy theory, there's like one or more people sort of at the highest levels of government who are using this account on 8chan, yes. which is now defunct, and they are telling the real truth about what's happening. Yes. So, like, this person's name is Q on yes. 8chan, and they're like, here's what's actually going on.
1: Yes. Yeah. But but it's the... the so that's a, a conspiracy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: And so this has gotten, like, obviously, like, huge uh, within various right-wing slash, like... It's not even just the right. It's, just, it's I, the crazy it's, part. It's, it's like just, everyone. Yeah. Uh, It's gotten a lot of uh, followers and believers. And I think the UFO, like, truther, believer movement has seen this and gotten a little jealous. So they're like, yo, like, maybe we should sort of get in on this and we can spread the gospel of UFO and alien trutherism to these folks. And meanwhile, the QAnon people are also like, well, you know who's really susceptible to conspiracy theories is, like, UFO people. So it's kind of like a symbiotic, like, back-and-forth relationship where you have, like, some of the top, like, QAnon YouTubers being, like... Oh, actually, Q believes like that conspira- there's aliens. This is
1: conspiracy seeding, is what this is. It is, yeah. And, like, they're sort of, like, crossing over and, like... Which sucks, because UFOs are real, and QAnon is fucking stupid.
3: Yeah, and also, like, uh, as like by and large, UFO conspiracy theories or or ufology or whatever you want to call it, UFO believers, are, like, largely pretty harmless. Like, in, I mean, I don't know. You could probably point to some ways that it's not, but it's, like that stuff is not violent for the most part. It's not exclusionary. It's not like... Uh, no, no. It's, it's not like racist. It's not like, as far as I know, maybe I'm I'm like missing something here, but it's like, it's relatively harmless. Whereas like QAnon is very much like disinformation, really bad, like undermines, uh, you know, the trust and democracy
1: and all this sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, Mac Mac lamara did a really good piece on how it's like legitimately destroyed families. Yeah. It, it's really sad. It's a completely pathetic conspiracy theory. Yeah. Now my mentions are going to get just blasted. Uh, On to the next. Um, Corellium. This is hot off the blog press right now. Yeah, I don't even know if we published it yet. I just well, edited it be- and it
3: should be out, but uh, it'll definitely be out by the time you are listening to this. So I think we talked about Corellium sometime in the past. It is, I believe, an Australian company that emulates iPhones. So they have been able to virtualize iOS, uh, across basically like all of the iPhone models, as far as I know, at least like the last few. And, uh, they sell this to security researchers. And the reason that they do this is, uh, they are allowing security researchers to probe the iPhone in a much more efficient way than sort of, uh, buying a whole bunch of iPhones and physically probing them with like, usb cords and things mm-hmm. like this so like you basically so like getting them from china off of like the yeah and it's know, like you can you can take an emulated for, iphone and um like if let's say you're trying to hack like touch id or face id or something like like brute force the the codes uh the pin codes it's like if you have a physical device you have to you know sort of either manually input it or get like a usb device to like try different things and if you can emulate it you can just like try like thousands or millions of times like this is what i understand i I may have gotten something like slightly wrong here but because i've never used corellium but that's what i understand it's it's used for and so apple sued corellium for uh copyright infringement earlier this year basically saying like hey you stole our our software like you can't use this and just uh this week corellium and its owner uh chris wade who has a uh love-hate relationship with Motherboard, I think is a good way of putting it. Um, okay. Uh, Spicy. Has um sort of like fought back and said, well, actually, we're like making software that's making iPhones safer because people are using it to find bugs that they're reporting to Apple. And like without us, there's basically, it's much harder to probe the iPhone. And they're just saying like, we've had good relationships with Apple in the past. We don't understand why Apple is suing us now. It makes no sense. Uh, they're also pointing out that, uh, you know, very recent until very recently, like, they had good relations with Apple, and then Apple announced that it was going to be giving away or selling some developer-type devices to, like, security researchers. This came out during DEF CON or Black Hat this year. Uh, and they're saying, like, that's when things turn, so Apple is just sort of, like trying to push us out of the market and completely control like the iphone exploit so
1: they're basically saying market. fuck you
3: a little bit and going on, go on, yeah let's go i mean to be clear like this is a small startup like yeah. i mean i am not a lawyer but i think it's unlikely that corellium wins this because they are sort of like wholesale copying ios and selling it which is just like it seems relatively cut and dry to me but like who knows maybe i'm i'm missing something here uh, but, like, by and large, just because it's like copyright infringement doesn't mean that it's not a good thing and shouldn't exist. So, I think it's like Apple didn't have to do this. They did it because Apple does this sort of thing all the time. It's really annoying. Apple wants, it's obsessive about control. And it's like, it's like I never want to
1: get my phone fixed because of it. Exactly. It's yeah. It's like, I don't want to wait in line forever. Okay. Well, that was the cipher. It was. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Jason. All right. Farewell. This week's episode was recorded and edited by Brian Arnold, voiced and produced by me, Ben Maku. You'll be hearing from me next week.